0: Hello, my name is Anne-Marie Cannon, and I'm the host of Armchair Historians. What's your favorite history? Each episode begins with this one question. Our guests come from all walks of life. YouTube celebrities, comedians, historians, even neighbors from the small mountain community that I live in. They're people who love history and get really excited about a particular time, place, or person from our distant or not-so-distant past. The jumping off point is the place where they became curious, then entered the rabbit hole into discovery. Fueled by an unrelenting need to know more, we look at history through the filter of other people's eyes. Armchair Historians is a Belgian Rabbit production. Stay up to date with us through Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Wherever you listen to your podcast, that is where you'll find us. Armchair Historians is an independent commercial-free podcast. If you'd like to support the show and keep it ad-free, you can buy us a cup of coffee through Ko-fi, or you can become a patron through Patreon. Links to both in the episode notes. Hello, fellow armchair historians. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'd like to start out by thanking new Ko-fi supporters, Allison and Lauren, Thank you for your support. It means the world to us. In this episode, the second in our Mudlark series, I talk to Mudlarker Lynn Pugh. Lynn mudlarks along the River Irwell in Lancashire, England, where she scours the banks for beautiful pieces of broken pottery, little pieces of history, tumbled by the river for over a hundred years. Lynn tells us about the history of the river and where many of the pieces she finds originated. Be sure to check out Lynn's Instagram page to see some of her amazing finds and works of art. The link will be available in the episode notes. Lynn Pugh, welcome to Armchair Historians. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. I'm so excited. (laughs) So what is your favorite history that we're going to be talking about today?
1: Well... This is really hard to pin down because ever since I was a little girl, I mean, as long as I can remember, I've just been obsessed with old things. And I suppose when I was little, I wouldn't have known what specific period. As long as they had a history, they'd been used, they'd been loved, they'd been part of somebody else's life, I was just obsessed with them. I mean, I'm a child of the 70s and that period was really not... One for kind of celebrating old things, the, you know, traditional features. We were busy ripping out fireplaces and coving and ceiling roses. And I think we lived in a 1930s house, but there were no features left in it. You know, everything had been modernized with an inch of its life. But I, even then, I knew that that really didn't sit well with me. So I would love to go to my grandparents' house where they had old furniture. Mm. I had a mad old aunt who was so eccentric, which she had. She'd been a model in the 30s. So she had Ooh, old wow. clothes. Yeah, she'd been a hairdressing model and um, she had the most amazing photographs and fur stoles and beautiful clothes that she'd worn and I was obsessed and she had a cellar and I remember the cellar had an old mangle in it and I just used to love to play in there and um my <laughs> friend my friend and I were obsessed with Little House on the Prairie and we just we would we would play that in her garage and she had little tin plates <laughs> and we'd just pretend you know but so yeah so even it, it's really hard to pin down period but I think with regards to what Mm. I do now where I live and what I do it would have to be Victorian so we live in a Victorian town that was kind of built during the industrial revolution and I live in a Victorian house most of the things that I'm passionate about the art that I love the pre-raphaelites Thomas Hardy Dickens the Brontes so I, I think it's
0: all Victorian really oh wow Kindred spirits. I have a similar yeah. story, but I didn't have a. I didn't have an eccentric aunt. I had oh, my mom had a trunk needs an eccentric the, I know she had a trunk up in the attic, and I just remember I would go up there. I'd steal away up in the attic, and I would open the trunk, and there were these beautiful dresses from the nineteen fifties. Oh, my mother wow. was gorgeous. Yeah, and I remember these this pair of um, red patent leather shoes that were stiletto heels and i would just hold them and touch them and think about them and then she had these little um avon i don't know little lipsticks the sample ones and she had this like candy apple red i just i get it we're kindred spirits when it comes to things in history it's it seems like people are born into it or not
1: and my, my parents, I mean, I used to love listening to their stories from their childhood. My, my father was, um, born in, in Scotland and he lived in an old tenement building and, there were three of them and, you know, he slept in a hole in the wall and they, you know, it was, he used to say, first up, best dressed. And my grandfather, he was a gunner during the Second World War and he was stationed, I think the White Cliffs of Dover, he was left for dead, but um wow. rescued by an American soldier. And I just used to love the stories, but my, my parents were very modern, you know, they always wanted the newest thing. And like I say, our house, everything had been kind of, any kind of feature had been removed. And, you know, the doors had been replaced with glass, mottled glass doors. And we had gas fires. And, you know, I think we had a pink bathroom suite. I can't, I can't remember entirely. But, you know, it was modern. And I just knew even then, just didn't sit well with me. I felt like I'd been born, mm. you know, in the in the wrong era, really. But yeah. Mm, mm-hmm.
0: So what is it about the Victorian era that resonates with you?
1: I don't know really just that I I think we romanticize it even though you know it was probably hell <laughs> to live through especially and I was yeah. I was always obsessed with I think it was Edwardian but there was a program when I was a little girl called Upstairs Downstairs and it it okay, it featured it. a a period house and it was the landed gentry upstairs and their their servants downstairs but I was I was obsessed with the downstairs and the kitchen and the <laughs> kitchen alien right and the scullery maids. I was just obsessed with that. But yeah, it was always the, um, the kind of everyday things we did, obviously about kings and queens at school, but I was just interested in the everyday, you know, how people lived and what they used and what they wore and what they ate, just, you know, the kind of mundane things, but that were fascinating to me. But we live, um, we live now in a, in like I say, a Victorian town and it's a valley so there's no way out but up really steep hills and um there's one hill in particular it's got it's got a rail kind of embedded into the wall because you know and i just imagine them in their you know in their long gowns and their boots trying to walk up those hills back in the day i don't know how yeah. you know like i say it must have been a hard life but i think we romanticize it
0: yeah i think so too but it's fascinating the way that they lived and yeah the clothes they wore. And I like you and fascinated with the everyday mundane, the stories that we don't really hear about in the history yeah. books. And that's how this podcast was born. But more recently I've gotten into mudlarking, which is how right. I found you on Instagram yeah. through your beautiful yeah. artwork, which I oh, did a post on social media today. So everybody should look at it and savor it. And, Um, What I love about, obviously, about your art is that you incorporate your mudlarking finds into it. So why don't you tell
1: us about that and how you got into mudlarking? Okay. So I have been mudlarking for a long time before I started making, but I'd also been mudlarking for a long time before I even knew what it was. So we moved to, to Ramsbottom and I had my Son, 2001 so it was when he was little that we started going down to the river and I had noticed these little pieces scattered amongst the banks I had no idea what they were and this was before we had a computer at home so had no way of googling it I didn't (laughs) I didn't know what they were and (laughs) I'd ask people yeah so um and then when he was little, we then started collecting them and we put them in a jar and the jar got bigger, and the jar became a box and the box got fuller <laughs> and it just get, you know, it kind of evolved. I mean, my workroom now it's, it's packed and everything's, you know, colour coordinated, but back then it was just in a bottle. And, um. And I used to say, I'll do something with it one day. And then I had my daughter and she loved doing it as well. And it wasn't until I found the article the other day, because when I knew I was going to speak to you, I was trying to remember the timeline. So it was 2013. So we'd been collecting for quite a while. And in a magazine that I subscribed to, which is called Country Living, there was a feature and it was called Country in the City. And it was about Mudlarking on the Thames. And I read it and it was like a eureka moment. It was like, well, that's what I do. Obviously, I don't do it on the Thames. I do it on the Irwell. But that's what I do. And other people do it. And I'm not mad. And it's it's a thing. So, <laughs> not at all. So, so uh, you no, don't I, mudlark on the Thames. And
0: I, I assume no. for whatever reason that you yes, did. You, so no. why don't you tell us about where you're at in the river that you generally mudlark on?
1: Okay. So we live in a town called Ramsbottom. Now, it's nothing to do with the back end of a sheep. It's to do with the fact that we live in a valley and Ramsons garlic grows in the valley. So it's the Ramsons garlic and the bot- the valley bottom puts it together. So that's how the town was named. Now, I think before the Industrial Revolution there, it was, you know, there were maybe some farmsteads, but nothing huge. It was quite rural. And then obviously the town kind of flourished during the Industrial Revolution and, and grew. And we're uh, kind of founded on the cotton mills and textile industry and it boomed. So the the River Irwell runs through Ramsbottom. It starts in the hills not too far from where we are and then flows through quite a few little northern towns and I think it joins the Manchester Ship Canal and then the River Mersey. Forgive me if I've I've got that slightly wrong. And then out to the Irish Sea, I think, I think. So apparently there was a family of tenant farmers called the Grant Brothers. And they had, they'd had a few bad seasons, a few failed crops, and they'd heard about the flourishing textile industry in Lancashire. So they decided they were they were rock bottom. They decided to make. I think it was three hundred miles. I'm I'm not sure. A long trek from Scotland to Lancashire with eight children and God knows how long it took them. <laughs> and the supposedly they stood looking down into the valley and they saw the River Owa running through and it reminded them of where they'd come from. And they said, that's where, that's where we're going to make our home. So they joined some, some mills and kind of worked their way up. They opened a little shop in the center of the town and just worked their way up and then bought mills, employed a lot of people. They were supposed to be very philanthropic, kind employers, which was maybe not how most employers were. Supposedly, when they'd made their fortune, they met Charles Dickens in Manchester. So we're only about twenty-five minutes from Manchester. They met Dickens in Manchester, wow. and then he he wrote, yeah, Nicholas Nickleby. And they there there was a pair of um, twins called the Cheery Bull Brothers, uh-huh. and it it said that they were based on the Grant brothers. So they were kind of immortalized in English literature history then. So, yes, yeah, so the park that I mudlark in, where the river Irwell runs through, they built a stately home there. I think there had been something previously, but I think they rebuilt it, Nuttall Hall. So I mudlark on the river, mainly there. And so I presume most of the finds that I find are the remnants of their life and their their employer's lives. There were cottages where staff lived. They're still there, but the hall was demolished in the fifties, I think. So yeah, it's just really lovely to think these little pieces you find it from them. It's just wonderful to think of the line of the history of something you pick up that maybe hasn't been handled for all those years. And then Mm -hmm. to kind of make it into something else. That's what I get my kick from. So, yeah. I think lots of people mudlock and keep the finds, but um, to kind of then make it into something else, so it's living again.
0: Yeah. yeah well, and that. what I love about your pieces are you don't use a lot of pieces in each work of art, so it really causes you to focus on the specific. On, yeah. And it's yeah. you, it seems like you use pottery and china and that type of thing that you incorporate into your artwork and i love that because you really focus on that one little piece
1: on those little pieces and they're all so different they become something in the water that you could you can't make that you can't make those rounded edges and the crackling Mm. and the you know the watermarks you can't so that's you can't get them anywhere else you've got to pluck them out of the river and it's it's like you're partnering
0: with nature as an artist kind of
1: time and tide although the Irwell isn't tidal but you know they've they've been in that river for so long
0: so it's not a tidal river
1: no it's not a tidal river no no I know the Thames is but the Irwell isn't
0: you're dependent on like dry seasons for New dry season se- yeah the I
1: mean sometimes yeah. I'll go down we get a lot of rain here as you can imagine and sometimes I'll go down you can't get anywhere near it and then other times you go down and it's you know the river's really far out it's quite rocky i know the thames is they get a lot of that mud that preserves things whereas mm-hmm. the oh well the little beaches that i kind of go to are quite rocky so i don't know if i'd ever find the things that you that you i find similar things but i don't know i don't think i'd ever find an intact pipe bowl because i just mm-hmm. think they'd be smashed to pieces before i find them
0: Interesting. So okay.
1: larger pieces are quite hard to find. You get a lot, you know, it's all broken up, but smoothed and beautiful. But yeah, I think different in that way.
0: I like that about the pottery is like those rounded edges and that type of thing. So one of the questions I ask, which you kind of already answered, is where do we see this history in pop culture? And, the, you know, part of the history you talked about was the founders of. Well, not the founders, but, you know, the business people who yeah, yeah. put your town on the map and how they were incorporor- incorporated into uh, Dickens' story. Where else do we see this history in pop culture?
1: We're so into recycling now. It's the ultimate recycling, isn't it? To, to be plucking something from those ages out of out of the river, any river, and making it into something else. It's the ultimate recycling, really. It's waste disposal but and it, it just seems so much more glamorous and to be to be making something from something you're really just clearing away, you obviously know the pipe bowls that day's cigarette, but really, but so much more glamorous. But to kind of so much more glamorous. those so much more glamorous.
0: I always think about the future and the things that we discard and what it's gonna be like for people if we have a future. Uh, who find these things and what they're going to think about these things the way that we look at pipe bowls and you know we're so amazed by them I always wonder what our things are going to look like in the future to other people I know
1: I know and I mean I can't imagine what somebody would think of what I do now thinking that they you know something that they broke so many years ago is now you know kind of sought after in a completely different form I hope they like it right I'm sure they will.
0: So tell me, what is your favorite find?
1: I love finding children's toys because that was another thing I was obsessed with when I was little. And um, I remember seeing, I think it was on Blue Peter, which was a kids' program years ago. I think it's Queen Anne's Doll's House. I think it was from the 20s. And it's the most amazing thing you've ever seen. Have you heard about it? I think it's on. show at Windsor Castle it's that you need to have a look it's amazing it's open to the public so I was always obsessed with doll's houses I never had one um so when I find little pieces of doll's house china or um little tea sets I I just love it knowing that the kids have played with it I find a lot of um they're called different names five stones or alley gobs uh, they're little, they look like little dice, but they're ridged and they're usually blues or browns and they would play with them like jacks. Are you familiar with jacks where mm-hmm. you throw the ball and you yep. catch the little things on your hand? So it was like the yeah. equivalent then. And you find quite a lot of those frozen Charlotte dolls. I love finding. Are you familiar with those? Yes. yes. So they're, yeah. Yeah. The they're little tiny dolls that they, um, I think they were German in origin and they, they, them, their limbs don't move. I think they were men, that, I think they were originally made to be played within the bath. So they were, they were glazed on one side, not the other so that they would float, but they were sold for like a penny and they would, sometimes they would hide them in Christmas puddings or they would use them in dolls houses. So finding those is fab. Um, yeah, that, so children's toys are my favorite things. So most of what you find is Victorian. What's the oldest thing I you've think, ever found? I I I'm not sure. I think 90% of it is Victorian. Yeah, because I like I say I think before the the industrial revolution there I, there were probably farms here there and everywhere but maybe not running right along the river and I think most of what I find is Victorian. Nothing nothing of major age but just, you know, fascinating to me really.
0: Yeah, I love it. I went to, we just got back from the UK. So we traveled up into Edinburgh and we went to York. And then not quite three years ago, I had, we were planning a a trip to the UK and I got my mudlarks license because I was obsessed with it. I live in Colorado and um, I started watching, you know, like Nicola White. Uh, yes. YouTube videos your, yeah. and uh, sci-fines who I just interviewed and became obsessed but then I had to cancel my trip because of the pandemic okay and luckily when we planned this new trip my my mudlark license was still good do you need a mudlark license or can you just go and pick? I up think you can just river? go
1: I I mean I remember when I very first started and I I did panic a bit thinking, do I need a license? I can't, I think I looked into, I think I asked Nicola, actually. I think I reached out to her and asked her, but no, I I think because the Irwell doesn't, you know, it's not the same as the Thames where it flows along great historical, you know, important buildings where there could be something of great value. You know, no, I don't think so. Not that I know anyway.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Obviously you've been doing it for years. And it's kind of like here with metal detecting, unless it's distinctively been determined that you can't metal detect in a particular area, a lot of times it hasn't even been discussed yeah. in public places. So you just kinda hope that hope for the best, or if you know, you know, the owner of the property, that type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and nobody's ever said anything to you. I yeah, and I guess that's what it is. The mudlark license is just for the River Thames. And so I did get to Mudlark 5 times while wow. I was there which was amazing and the history like you said it got, it extends so far back and Yeah. It runs along so many important historical areas. And then you have like you, you were talking about the anaerobic uh, clay and how things get preserved and Yeah. You can find some amazing finds there and like my So I, what did you what did you find? Oh, I was hoping you'd ask. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I did find two intact pipes, and I found one that was beaten up, but it was one of the early ones because it was one of the tiny little pipe bowls. Yeah, yeah. So probably from the 1600s. Okay. And I found a piece of chain mail. Okay. So that was pretty cool. Wow. I, you know, in the Shards of Pottery, one of, uh, three of them were little tiny ones, like what you incorporate. They were the Tudor green. Okay. So that was pretty cool. Um, and then, you know, other things that I'm not quite sure
1: what time period they're from. I have one piece that might be Roman, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm not entirely sure. I, You know, I've got lots of pottery. I don't know. Some of it may be Roman. I have no idea. But... <laughs> Just I you know, I just if it if it's beautiful to me and I can use it, that, yeah, you know, that's as that's all I need to know really.
0: Yeah. Well, that, you know, is cool and I was really excited because you you mudlark in a completely different place than what I know mm. about. And I guess mudlarking was coined maybe in the eighteen hundreds.
1: And I think it was specifically aimed at the Thames. I think that's where, you know, that's where the phrase originated. I think,
0: Yeah, Um, I think so too. And Simon talked about that in the interview I just did with him. He talked kind of about the basics of mudlarking. But uh, I hear people, you know, use the term mudlarking in different places now, even in the United States. Well, I
1: think anywhere where there's a river or, you know, I know, obviously, there's field walking, you can find things there. I mean, plowed fields, obviously, metal detecting. I've never done that. I'd love to do that. Like it's fun. It's fun. I, really it's fun. I started
0: that. metal detecting because my during the pandemic I have a great nephew who I don't know if you listened to the last. I inner, did. That was my nephew. I love him. He's, he's so switch. cute. And he's so, so into <laughs> treasure into hunting. Into it, yeah. Yeah, he is. So him and his mom, who is my niece, they had an old metal detector, and you had to find new things to do when during the pandemic but, yeah. they went out with the old metal detector, and that's how I started you know kind of metal detecting cuz it filled that void of not being able to mudlark on the Thames yes. which i had been planning for so uh we don't have a well i shouldn't say that because the indigenous history stretches back to when uh people came over the bering strait up there but we a lot of the things i find are from the the 1800s. Yes. Um, and I do that. I collect a lot of glass because I find broken pieces of glass all over the place here. Yeah. And um, I live in a National Historic Landmark District. It made me feel better because I think when you said, one of these days, I'm going to do something with this stuff. And so I've kind of been telling myself that and I've got all kinds of pieces of old glass everywhere in the house. And my boyfriend keeps looking at me and scratching and said, what are you doing with that stuff? I know. I I do plan on doing something with it one day and it looks pretty.
1: Yeah. And I I mean, it took me years. Like I say, I think, I think I started collecting about 22, about (sighs) Gabriel was born in 2001. He was probably about three before we started bringing stuff back. And then I didn't do anything with it till 10 years later. So, you know, your time will come.
0: It'll come. Or my daughter will have to clean the place out and say, Mom, why yeah. did you do this? Oh <laughs> she's thirty seven, so <laughs> Do you have something that you'd like to find that you haven't found yet?
1: Yes. I would love to find a an intact pipe bowl with a a long stem it's never gonna I just think it's never gonna happen it's, but not not on the Irwell. I would love to find a Bartnum jug is it a Bartnum a Bellamine jug have yeah, you heard with of that with the face, yeah, on with it? The face? Yeah. yeah I mean I have some bits that look like the same sort of pottery but mm. there's you know I I don't know if they are or if they're not but yeah just a bit of that face I, yeah. I would love I don't get any of that lovely pottery that's like uh, we we have a, a dessert in England called a Bakewell tart, and it's it has icing on the top that's been kind of uh th- I don't even know how you'd say it, but the icing is kind of manipulated to make these lovely lines. And there's a pottery that looks just like that. Oh, I do you yeah. know the one I mean? It's I'd, it's I'd kind nev-
0: of like almost like a yellow and brown. Yes, I got yes. a piece of yes. that, and I can't remember mm. the name of it. I got a piece <laughs> but, of that from the Thames.
1: Okay. I, yeah, I've never found anything like that. I, like I say, I think 90% of my stuff is Victorian kitchenware. You know what I do get a lot of, and I didn't know, (laughs) wasn't aware. That's what I was picking up. I get a lot of this like rim and it's, I thought it was the rim of like a a pie dish. So it's, it's kind of circular. You can see down the, the length of it. If you, if you look and it has, it's, It's been decorated always the same, like little blue leaves, but obviously many different people have painted the same design. So I think I put a call out on Instagram to say, what is, what is this? And it came back that it was a, the rim of a chamber pot so, oh, so okay. probably very different contents and hopefully whenever <laughs> they were dropped they weren't full but you I suppose you can imagine they would have been carried up and downstairs and emptied yeah. and carried back up okay. again but yeah apparently they're they're a chamber pot I get a lot of that.
0: Oh, interesting! So, yeah, I wonder yeah. that too. I find a lot of uh, white. We're a national historic landmark district. We have in our town of a thousand over two hundred and forty buildings that are um, from the eighteen hundreds that yeah are protected. But I I look along just my walks in the dirt and I find little pieces of like white, some kind of white pottery. I always think that those were the chamber pots. I don't know if that's Again. true or not, but.
1: Um, well even the chamber pots were decorated. It was yeah, like, you know, just right? decorate everything. Yeah. So yeah, I don't I don't I don't usually pick up white. There there is somebody I follow on Instagram who does the most amazing, huge big circles. I can't think what his name is. Um and they're like a a massive circle halved and the top half will be all the whites and neutrals, and then the bottom half will be a colour, and they're they're huge. They're oh, gorgeous, wow. but I don't, I don't usually use the whites, but it's interesting. I don't pick that, you up know. the whites.
0: It's funny because I usually what I pick up is the glass. I don't get a lot of decorated pottery. If I find right, something okay. with any kind of decoration on it, I'll, I'll pick it up, but it's usually the glass that I pick okay. up. I don't know why. Um, and I look at the white and I think, well, that could be something. I must like know that what I'm going to do, but I don't know that I know. But you
1: don't know yet. Yeah. 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 yeah, I just know that I, uh, they wouldn't be useful to me. So I'll leave them for, yeah, for somebody else. Yeah.
0: Is there anything that I didn't ask you that you wanted to talk about
1: today? No, I think we kind of covered it all. I mean, um, there's still hope because I didn't do anything with my, with my pieces for a long, long time. And it was just, it was also in Country Living Magazine where they, they had a competition called Kitchen Table Talent and it was a call out to kind of new makers and you could win uh, a table at their, their spring fair, which is a huge event. Um, they held it at the Business Design Centre in Islington and that's when I thought, right, I need to, I need to do something. I'm going to do something. And that's I, originally I made initials. It just seemed the thing that just came to mind first. So I made the whole alphabet and I, I won a play. I, I had to send it all into country living. I won a place and took it to the business design center. And that's how it kind of all started. Really. It was really well received. So where can went, we
0: find you? That was the next thing I was gonna wanted to talk about is where can we find you? What do you do? You do I know you so, do the insects and you do the letters, which are amazing. Yeah. So why don't and you tell I, us about I that? I do
1: little angels as well. I do I do initials, I do words, I do bees, butterflies, dragonflies, hearts, angels, and they all kind of incorporate Something else. So the the angels have old watch faces that I gold leaf as the halos. Um, the dragonflies and butterflies have old postcards that I try to get them a similar age. They're you know Victorian. Oh, so those Edwardian.
0: the base of those are postcards.
1: Yes, yes. I try and incorporate something else that's of an age into them as well. And yeah, so I'm stocked in two local shops. Oh, nice. You know, you just message me on Instagram. Instagram's my kind of biggest audience, which is great. I've I've got a Facebook page. I've got a website. So my my website is themudlark.co.uk, and on Instagram, I'm Alice and the Mudlark because Alice is our golden (laughs) retriever, and she she's my companion. She comes with me.
0: My and I thought your expedition. name was Alice. So, when I know I first you did. Out lots of you, I was like, Alice. You're not, I know.
1: <laughs> You're not the first person. I know, but Alice is getting a little bit old now. So I don't know. Oh, I know. Alice. So she, I know, but she's, um, I, I was in another, I was in a magazine, um, Lancashire Life. They did a feature on me and she came with me on the photo shoot and she oh. was, yeah, she was a nightmare. <laughs> but oh, okay. She, she was. <laughs> but um it was it was lovely to have her be part of that so but yeah she's 12 now so she can't kind of scramble up banks anymore but she comes now and again wow
0: so yeah and on instagram what's your username it's
1: alice so instagram is alice and the mudlark which is how i found you and i reposted one of your
0: uh works of art this morning so it has all your information in there and oh thank you so yeah you could you definitely should uh listeners check out her lovely works of art and her website and thank you so much lynn Pugh. thank you so much for being here today i really enjoyed talking to you
1: and so did i it was an absolute pleasure thank you there you have it lynn Pugh and the river Irwell. To
0: find out more about the river and Ram's Bottom and Lynn's beautiful artwork, be sure to check out our episode notes. Thanks for joining us. Have a great week.